So this is kind of an interesting episode because uh, it didn't really go where I had originally intended it for it to go. Um, uh, I'm talking in this episode with Trevor Lee, who I met a few years ago uh, at an event that uh, we hosted when I was working with Flourish San Diego. Trevor came and um, basically presented uh, an assessment tool and worked through an assessment tool that he had developed with the pastors who are part of our Flourish San Diego uh, learning community. Um, And so I really liked what he had presented. I thought it was really valuable. And uh, so I contacted Trevor about a month ago or so uh, because I thought it'd be great to talk to talk about his assessment tool and, uh, you know, offer it as a resource. Uh, But that's not what we ended up talking about. Uh, What we ended up talking about was uh, the importance of getting past the ministry model that basically just tries to get people into and through our discipleship programs Um, you know, almost like gears in a church machine, and into a model, uh, moving into a model that values the uniqueness and inherent worth of each person, that recognizes each person's unique calling and the part that they play uh, in God's mission in the world. Uh, So that's what we talked about. And then we also talked about suffering, Uh, which is something that I am sure that you are familiar with. How am I so sure? Because everybody suffers. And so we talked about uh, the part that suffering plays, ironically, in the healing of the world. We talked about flourishing, we talked about suffering, uh, and we talked about what God wants to do in the world. So Trevor and I had a great conversation, uh, even with a couple of smartphone sound effects in the background, (laughs) which made for some funny moments. I thought about editing them out, but then I thought, ah, I'm going to leave them in there for your for your enjoyment in this episode. Well, I'm Marcus Watson, and this is episode 49 of Spiritual Life and Leadership. All right. Hey, I'm here with uh, Trevor Lee, who is a development representative with an organization called Made to Flourish, and he's also the host of a podcast titled Speak in the Suffering. Hi, Trevor. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Marcus. How are you today? I'm doing great. Um, Trevor, why don't you uh, just tell us briefly about what you do, and then uh, after that, I'm going to ask you a few uh, little get-to-know-you questions. Great. Uh, Well, I was a pastor for about 15 years, but then a year ago transitioned to working full-time with Made to Flourish. And we have cities all across the country, and I work with our cities in the West doing a couple things. One is as a nonprofit, I help to raise funding to help the organization be sustainable. And then I also support our leaders in each of those cities to develop deeper connections with people and organizations who are working for the common good and finding ways that um, we can connect and work toward that together. So that's the the thrust of my work. Cool. Cool. And so we'll unpack a little bit more, well, a lot more maybe, <laughs> what you do with Made to Flourish and what sure. that's all about. Um, so I've got a few uh, get to know you questions here. The first one is, what would a mirror opposite of yourself be like? Yeah. So when you told me you were going to ask this question, I thought, I've never heard that question before. And that is insightful. (laughs) So I think a mere opposite of me would be a couple things that are pretty deeply related to how I'm made. One is that that opposite would be really arrogant Mm -hmm. and uh, think that they knew better than other people, tried to put themselves first all the time. 
Uh-huh. And that sounds positive, but sort of yeah. the flip side of that is that that person would also be probably be incredibly confident okay. and be really aware of the strengths that they had and able to live fully into those with confidence. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's yeah. what I would say. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you bring a little more, well, how would you, so then how would you characterize yourself as the opposite of that? What yeah, I think as I've tried to embrace what is true about me, I would say I, I think I genuinely am humble and desire to serve other people and be there for them, put others ahead of myself. But then on the flip side of that, at times I can uh, let that lead into a place of lacking confidence in how right. I'm made or what I'm good at um, yeah. and, and, and struggling to live fully into that. Interesting. Cool. Well, OK. Uh, so next question then is when do you feel truly alive? Yeah, man, this is, uh, thankfully, I actually thought there are a number of times that I do. Uh, mm. One, and this could be a whole uh, conversation for a podcast with the journey uh-huh. I've had related to worship gatherings in the church. Mm. But in the last year, being in the corporate worship of the church is one of the times I truly feel most fully alive. Mm. And then I would also say, um, getting to be out in nature. I live in Colorado, and when I get the chance uh-huh. to get into the mountains especially being active with people I love with my family or others absolutely feel really alive when I'm doing that too. Oh, that's cool. Um, okay, good. And then the last question is what's the most formative book you've read? Yeah. Also a tough question. Um, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to go with, uh, a failure of nerve by Edwin Friedman, which is a leadership book from a okay. systems perspective, uh-huh. but it has helped me a lot as someone who has a tendency to become enmeshed with other people and their problems uh-huh. to navigate how to not let that happen and maintain a personal integrity, but also remain connected and caring toward people. So mm. that's been pretty profound in, in shaping me. Very cool. That is a great book. And so uh, this is episode 49 is what this conversation will be. Episode 47, which as we record this just went live yesterday, is um, called uh, uh, with a guy named Steve Cuss, who wrote a book called Managing Leadership Anxiety. And it's all about family systems. And he talks a lot about Edwin Friedman and failure of nerve and that kind of stuff. So you should check it out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I haven't had a chance that, to read his book yet, but I've heard great things. So, oh, oh, really? About yeah. that book? Man, about yeah, book. Yep. it is a great book. It is a great book. Um, yeah, interesting. Uh, Friedman and family systems in the last few episodes just kind of keeps coming back up. Actually, um, so not just in that episode, but several others in recent episodes. So it's it's interesting to hear you mention that now too, and uh, yeah, really. Uh, it is it is a great book, and uh, everybody should read it, especially if you're in any kind of leadership. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, cool, good. So, um, so um, let me give you a little more, uh, just briefly, uh, context. Um, so, Trevor, you and I, we don't know each other well, but we have met. Um, I was on staff with Flourish San Diego uh, several years ago, a couple of years ago, uh, and you came to San Diego, and you were presenting uh, some stuff you had worked on. And um, you now work with an organization called Made to Flourish, which is kind of in the same space as Flourish San Diego, uh, vocation, calling, faith, work. Um, tell us about your, maybe about your journey. Uh, how did you come to work for Made to Flourish and why is that, uh, what does Made to Flourish do? And um, yeah, and yeah, tell us about, about that. Yeah. And I'll try to give you the, uh, the, 
it's really spanned mm. almost 15 years now. So I won't give the whole 15 year, <laughs> but, yeah. but it did start when I went to seminary. I grew, I grew up in uh, not ultra conservative, but conservative Christian circles and went to seminary and got a scholarship through a foundation that fast forward eight or 10 years later, that foundation started to bring more focus to the idea of an integrated life or, or, um, faith work and economic wisdom, economics, not just being money, but the ways we interact with each other, um, in the world and how to, to weave faith thoroughly through that. And so because of my connection to them, I, I jumped into that and started exploring it and they provided a number of opportunities to do that. Hmm. And the, the, I'll get to working with made to flourish, but it, actually is one of a handful of things in my life that have been most profound in shaping my conception of what a full life of following Jesus looks like, both in discipleship and mission. Um, and it really changed, well, not changed. It it really broadened what I thought it meant to be a pastor. Uh, I, mm. really, I grew up in a, with a belief that pastors and missionaries were the most holy, the most dedicated to God. Yeah, and then right. maybe teachers and nurses are doing okay. And everybody else, yeah. you know, makes some money and participates in church stuff and gives to the church. Yeah. And so when I really through these interactions came to believe and see biblically that all of us are called to a life that works toward the good of the world or towards Shalom and mm-hmm. to a life where we're being formed, not only through what we do with the church, but what we do on a regular basis in our homes and in our workplaces, uh-huh. then that really shifted the way I viewed my job as a pastor mm-hmm. to be one where I'm helping people to understand their lives through the lens of the gospel and then live fully into that, not just for Sunday, but for the rest of the week. Um, yeah. And so that shifted for me. And then I got a chance about five years, five or six years ago now to work as a city network leader in Denver, which basically just means leading the made to flourish activities in Denver. And then when my time as a pastor ended, I was approached by the leadership, some of the leadership of made to flourish. And they asked if I would be interested in stepping into a full-time role and, Mm. and certainly was happy to take that. Um, it was, a. um, not knowing what would come next. It was an opportunity yeah, yeah. or something. And also with an organization that I really believe in and a mission that's shaped me. Yeah. Um, and uh, what what is uh, Made to Flourish's mission? Yeah. So Made to Flourish really is just trying to uh, help pastors bridge that gap between Sunday and Monday for their congregation. So there's a lot of faith and work organizations out there and, and Made mm-hmm. to Flourish would fit into that category. I think one distinctive of Made to Flourish is that our method of operation is distinctly connected to the church and to pastors. So we're, I mean, we might interact with other people in the marketplace here and there, but we're really focused on forming pastors who will flourish um, and that they will equip their people to live into this full vision of life. Um, and so, yeah, so our interaction is with pastors, h- hoping they catch a vision for that and then equipping them. <laughs> it's okay. Oh, <laughs> it's a podcast. I, know I, I know you can, I don't even know how to turn that off. I've wondered. That, uh, that's all right. But yeah. sorry about that. man. 
if if I can edit it, I will. If not, then hey, everyone, be a that was fun. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So sorry. Uh, go ahead. Uh, yeah. So so made to yeah. flourish focuses on helping pastors or equipping pastors to to walk their people into what it looks like to live mm-hmm. fully for the good of the world in their homes, their workplaces. So I think um, made to flourish is just really focused on this belief that both discipleship and mission, a primary outworking of those is the lives people are already living and helping Mm. pastors catch that vision and then walk their people into that. So, right. Which is uh, different from the way uh, I I guess I would say it's typically done or has been typically like, how would you uh, characterize the difference between um, and maybe the way you used to be a pastor and the way you learned to pastor. Um, you've touched on that a little bit already, but uh, say more about how how we usually focus on ministry as pastors. And I'm a pastor too, right? Right. Um, and how we're called, or what you believe at least, you know, how we're called to, to be pastors. Well, and you should share your thoughts on this too, because I know you've wrestled with mm-hmm. it really deeply. So I'd yeah. Hear what you think. Yeah. It, for me... Yeah, maybe a, a somewhat simple way of saying it is I, I did move from seeing my job as running programs to make sure people yeah. got discipled to yeah. training and equipping people to be discipled in their lives. So yeah, the church, ser- oh my gosh, Dude, okay, <laughs> how I I've got is that your phone? Off. Yeah, let me uh, just turn my. I just put on uh, airplane mode or something. That's what I usually do. Let me do that quick. Yeah. I had it on yeah. silent, so I didn't think that would happen. Oh, funny! But okay, airplane mode's on now. Yeah, so I think as a pastor, it is switching to training people for discipleship in their lives, rather than thinking they have to come to me for all of it. So, yeah, right. That was a shift. Um, so there's this distinction between sacred and secular. You kind of touched on that, right? There's the sacred um, church stuff that we do, and then this, there's the secular everything else that you do. And then there's the sacred professional Christians like pastors and worship leaders and, you know, whatever, missionaries. And then there's the secular, ordinary Christians, everyone else. Um, one of the things that I I learned, um, you know, working at Flourish San Diego, um, and, and had been learning and it, and it sort of confirmed uh, all of this was that um, there is no distinction, right? There uh, in, in God's eyes in in reality, right? There, there is no distinction between clergy and laity. So um, uh, Trevor, what, how would you characterize the difference between uh, being, you know, the new, uh, I don't know if new is the right, best way to put it, but the, the kind of pastor that you're describing who's focused on, I guess, the flourishing of your people and the the more typical or traditional, the way that uh, that we've done pastoring for a long time. How would you characterize the difference between those two? Yeah, I I think maybe the most simple way would be a shift from focusing on getting people to come to me or to church. I mean, I I still do value that, but maybe for a different reason to kind of get all of their spiritual training. You talked about the sacred secular. So there's a dualism there of everything, all the ways you will be formed are wrapped up in the church to seeing it more be, how do I equip you to be prepared 
for the ways that you will be formed and the opportunities you'll have to live on mission in your daily lives. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of focusing on that training or giving tools as the primary expression of, and even, you know, another thing that highlights that is bringing Monday through Saturday into Sunday. So mm. one of the things that we did, and I know there are many churches doing this now, it's not the, the church I was pastoring was so innovative in this, but doing interviews with people about their work in the worship gathering. Mm. You're saying what you're yeah. doing out there is something we should talk about and celebrate here. Yeah, that's good. And how is that? So you've, you've done that. You did that. Yeah. How did that affect the way people viewed their work and their Monday through Saturday life? Yeah. To be a hundred percent honest, it was mixed. So for some people, it was really liberating and they would mm -hmm. say, man, I've never thought about it that way before. And it helped them in their discipleship. There were others who would say things like, hey, are we going to keep doing this? And there was mm -hmm. this really deep divide for them where they couldn't really think about it as anything that was really significant in relation huh. to their spiritual life or their life of faith. So. Yeah, it, but even that is part of discipleship. Uh, these yeah, that's ways right. Of challenging the way that's that people right. have always experienced things. Yes, yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, it's so ingrained in us this this division, this distinction between sacred and secular, and and we we should not mix the two, right? Um, and that's been a. I mean, I think that's been part of our Western Christendom culture for so long that it's hard to undo that. Uh, okay, so uh, you, one of the things that you said was um, to help people be on mission. What does what does that mean? Like when you talk about the mission, being on mission, what mission are we on? Uh, yeah, yeah say, say something about that. Yeah, so, and, and this is for all the things maybe we did wrong. There's some things that really were crystallized for me in my time as a pastor at my last church. And one of the things that we did was the way we defined mission was we said participating with God in the renewal of all things and people mm. in particular. So mm. one of the things that I experienced as I moved from a, the mission of God is just get people saved mm, and yeah. kind of period. That's, that's the end of the mission. Right. And then I moved into this thing that where sort of the story of God, where he is renewing all things and moving all things towards Shalom that sometimes that can begin to maybe not leave out, but at least minimize the importance of people actually being reconciled to God. And that, that um, redemption from sin creates the kind of people who work more fully with God towards Shalom too, uh -huh. so that we didn't lose that. And so I would say that mission does involve evangelism in some way, yeah. And also it has, it points toward an even greater end though, which is the work that Jesus will finish in the renewal of everything yeah, and yeah. the removal of sin from everything. Yeah. And that people are an important part of that though. So it's, it's uh -huh. that whole, not one or the other. Okay. And, and what, what do you mean by Shalom when you say that? What do you mean? Yeah. What do you mean by shalom? I can't just throw around Hebrew words on here. And see what happens. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I think I actually saw it in your list of episodes. So I, I'm oh, sure cool. talked about something. Well, we have talked about it, but I like to talk about it. And so I just want to kind of hear how you Absolutely. think about Shalom. Yeah. yeah. Uh, very simply, I would say Shalom is all things being the way God intended. Okay. So, to know to to get into the fullness of that, we have to explore biblically and through the leading of the Spirit what is it that God intended? Because mm -hmm. so many of those things go against 
our nature that has been bent or corrupted, that to figure out what that means doesn't just mean what I think is good is shalom. (laughs) It's discovering what are God's ultimate intentions for all things and how do I work toward that? Yeah. And, and what do you think based on what you've learned and, and, you know, in, in terms of your relationship with God and and how you've grown, what do you think God wants for the world? Like what are his intentions? Hmm. I'm just, I'm pausing because to sum that up in a couple sentences seems difficult. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say, uh, let me say a couple things at least. Uh One is that I think he wants people to be made whole. And the, the biblical language for that, there's another Hebrew word for that actually, but is sometimes blameless, sometimes perfect. But the word behind that means not lacking anything, full in maturity. Mm-hmm. And so it it would include us being righteous and free from sin, but it would also include us embracing our full identity in Christ. It would include mm-hmm. us living out faithfully and humbly of the gifts that God has given us. And, mm-hmm. and so it is the perfection of the person, but not in the sense of, just being moral. Um, yeah, so I right. think God desires that. And I think that's where a mm-hmm. lot of his work is intensely personal, even as it's yeah. outward facing toward the world. And then secondly, yeah. I think it would be, uh, I guess the harmony of all things maybe would be a way to yeah. say it. So uh-huh. it wouldn't include violence. <laughs> it right. wouldn't include hatred. Yeah. It wouldn't include racism or classism or misogyny. Um, we would we would all interact with each other in the world in ways that are most beneficial and harmonious for everyone, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you? Um, Do you have thoughts on that? I'm curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of uh, so when I think about shalom, I, I came across a definition. It's not my definition, and I don't remember where or when or who said it. Um, but the definition of shalom uh, that I really appreciate is that shalom is a comprehensive state of well-being that touches every aspect of life. Mm. Um, so it it includes our spiritual life, but it also includes our physical life and our emotional life, our uh, you know community life, our neighborhood life. It's it's uh, it touches uh, businesses and it touches governments and it touches uh, the environment. You know, it touches. Uh, animals as well as human beings, you know. I, I do like how you say. What, what was your statement? Um, uh, the, your mission statement. Uh, your last oh, church. How did you just uh, participating with God in the renewal of all things and people in particular? Yeah, yeah, which is important. I, so I like that, right? The, it is the renewal of all things, and then people in particular, because you know we're His people. We're uh, created in the image of God, and we're the ones who have been called by God to participate with him in the renewal of all things. Right. And so it's appropriate for, to say, you know, and people in particular. Um, Well, and uh, so I like one other thing I'd say about that too, is I think that it honors a biblical view of the human person. I mean, if you read Mm -hmm. scripture, humanity is, is made in God's image. They have a special place in creation, not that they should disregard creation, um, but there is an importance placed on humanity. Right. Created in the image of God and also the ones who were charged with caring for the garden, right? None of the other creation was charged with caring uh, for 
everything else, right? <laughs> but human beings were right, and so yeah. So anyway, uh, that's that's good. I, I like that statement. Um, um, how does uh, let me kind of shift a little bit here because of uh, I'm thinking about your podcast. How does uh, suffering and broken shalom fit into perhaps the um, the accomplishing of God's mission or the move towards the restoration of, do you think that's, is that, is that part of it? Uh, I'm thinking out loud yeah. a little bit here. Does that play a part into the accomplishing of God's mission and the restoration of all things? Yeah. You know, suffering is kind of a, a weird thing because we look ahead to the renewal of all things. And I, I think that I would say, I don't imagine a place for suffering in, mm-hmm. in that renewal, you know, every tear will be wiped from their eyes and things like that. And at the same time, there is no doubt that the profound biblical witness is that our freedom comes through suffering because of Christ's suffering, mm. that there is yep. something beautiful yes. and important about our affiliation with him and his suffering. And there is a strong narrative in scripture of the way that suffering forms us that nothing else can to move toward that renewal and sort of completion of the person. So it's sort of a weird thing of, yeah, it's maybe it, it wouldn't rightfully be there without sin, but also God uses it in these profoundly redemptive ways that, that nothing else can, can replace. Yeah. And, um, uh, and so, so you have a podcast about suffering. Uh, what's the title again? Speak on the suffering. Yeah. Can you share a little bit about kind of what led you to that, uh, you know, tying uh, and, and the connection as you have just sort of made in terms of it, it, it's all it's all part of our story, right? This, this is your story. Like, how did your experience of suffering bring flourishing in some way to your life? Or how did God use that? And how wh- how's that led you now to where you are with uh, speaking into suffering and helping churches to flourish? I'm trying to get a big yeah, picture totally. here, uh, but can you speak totally. into that? Yeah. Well, so I think one of the, the profound connections between that and what I do with Made to Flourish is that Made to Flourish, one of our distinctives is to um, to pursue flourishing pastors, or I don't know the best way to say that, but that we want mm-hmm. pastors to flourish. So when I was a pastor, I was profoundly not flourishing, not mm-hmm. just a little bit. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I... I got into a depth of despair, depression, aimlessness, um, all these kind of things that was far deeper mm. than I ever knew it was until mm. I was able to actually begin reflecting on and diving into it. For a while, it was just sort of a deadness of my spirit. Um, mm. You can't flourish as a person or as a pastor when your spirit is dead. And so... Yeah. And, and so I would call that, it was a couple years um, that I was in mm. some level of that space. And for me, it definitely was a space that I would call suffering. Um, it was mm. incredibly difficult, incredibly dark. And on, so on the, in terms of, I think when, yeah, so when you're in a space like that, you're not able, mm-hmm. you, you're not going to go to work and think about how do I participate with God for the renewal of this office? for the good of the mm. people who work here, for the benefit of the people we're creating products right. for. You're not doing that. You're showing up right. at work with your head down, trying to make it through another day yeah. so you can go home and zone out on Netflix or have a drink or whatever it is you do to try to escape your pain. And 
we, I think we significantly underestimate the people who are dealing with, whether you want to call it suffering, because that's a strong word, but some profound yeah. form of struggle in their lives that is inhibiting mm. them from flourishing. Um, yeah. As I've started to do the podcast, it's amazing how many people kind of come out of the woodwork to say, oh, thanks for sharing that story. I really connect with that yeah. in this way. And so, yeah. so I think we have a lot of people who are not finding a space in a culture that demonizes suffering and just says you have to be be better, whatever it takes. Um, there's not a space to talk about it. And so I think people are inhibited from moving toward flourishing. And and so speaking the suffering is an attempt to give a space for people to give voice to the the reality of their struggle. Yeah. 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 And um I mean, suffering is uh, universal. Everybody experiences it. Um, some people, I mean, some extreme forms of suffering and uh, some maybe less. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about the connection between suffering and flourishing. In order eventually then to flourish in our lives, we, we do have to move through the suffering. Um, and it, almost in a way, so my experience of having been through a time of suffering as well a few years ago um, was that I had to just sort of embrace it. Um, and in that embracing of the suffering, it, you know, I think about um, Paul, right, who said, I've been crucified with Christ. And I didn't understand what that meant. But now I'm like, oh, he suffered right. a lot. And and it's that somehow it is in that suffering that we experience uh, the reality, I mean, if we can open ourselves up to it, if we surrender to it, we can experience the reality of the life of Jesus on the cross, even, <laughs> you know, there is life in that suffering somehow. And, um, um, and if we can like be open handed in the midst of it and, and just receive the life of God in, in that time, um, yeah, right. Then we can come out on the other end of it. It doesn't make the pain pain necessarily less painful in the moment, but it can it can give us some hope or some perspective. Um, and then we come through and it's like, ah, ah, okay, now I can really experience life. Uh, I'll, I'll share real briefly kind of how I experienced that. So as a pastor, I uh, like you had said earlier, you 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 thought of uh, so I thought of uh, ministry primarily as how do I create more programs to get more people to show up so that they can grow in their faith, right. you know. Um, and also, uh, make me look good by having lots of people there. Uh, of course. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, some stuff happened at my last church and it just kind of, uh, got really toxic and fell apart. And then, uh, I ended up getting voted out of my mm. church and, um, and then, and then I, and that's in a sense, what led me then to flourish San Diego, um, and uh, it just totally changed the way I think about what really matters um, in ministry. And it's not, you know, looking good. It's not uh, how many people showed up. It's about really, truly helping people to flourish in their lives um, in every to experience shalom, right? A comprehensive well-being in every aspect of life um, and helping them to experience that. And not what I experienced was um or what I realized was that I was in a way objectifying people, mm. uh, not, not in a like cruel way, you know, but just like, 
I would forget that, oh, every single person here has a story and that story matters and it has shaped who they are now and they all come with their own questions and needs and hopes and, you know, desires and, um, and struggles. And I would forget that uh, because what, I, what mattered to me was, did they show up and the, did they go through the process and can I, have I, you know, have, have I taken them, you know, through the church machine, so to speak. Um, and, uh, that's not flourishing. No. Right. And that's not transformative either. No. Anyway, I kind of went on for a minute here, but that's kind of, that's been yeah my experience. And it sounds like in some ways, maybe, maybe yours as well. Yeah. I think you hit on something important there too. Um, so we could talk about pastors specifically and how toxic, mm-hmm those things are, but also how difficult to escape. Because to some extent, you feel Mm -hmm. like you are measured based on how many people show up or how good the sermon was or whatever. So that gets really toxic. But I do think there's something there. Again, as we're talking about, you know, everyone (laughs) living with God and on, Mm -hmm. on mission, I think for all of us, there are ways that we can objectify people in the way you were talking about in the course Mm -hmm. of our lives or work? Do, do my kids act the way that I think they should so that my reputation will be maintained? Mm. Um, did, yeah. did I get enough customers today versus did I care well for the people who are in front of me in the midst of our interaction? So yeah, there's, there's a strong temptation there. Yeah, that's right. Talking. And, and then, uh, come full circle back to made to flourish in a way. I think what made to flourish and other, organizations like you know flourish san diego and those kinds uh, i think the the thrust is we want to humanize our people right we want to help pastors and churches humanize every aspect of uh of our people's lives does that would that be a good way yeah, to put it? yeah perhaps? that's that's interesting i haven't thought about it in that way before um but i think that that's true humanize and personalize maybe um yeah yeah where yeah we could be thinking sort of one size fits all, um, but every person walks out yeah, into right. a very different life in many ways. So, yeah, yeah. What, what do you mean by one size fits all? Well, what, what I think, I think that? often, dis- I, I mean, I don't want to, uh, most pastors do their best. I mean, if you have a hundred people or 300 or 800, y- you can't interact with every single person individually or personally all the time. Yeah. So there's that, but I do right. think some discipleship programming sure. in the church has tended toward, Hey, here's the, here's the program and yeah. everybody just fits that. And then they're discipled where right. if you're taking people's right. lives into account, you do have to at least be thinking as a pastor, okay, I know that I have an engineer and a salesperson and a janitor and a nurse. Yeah. So yeah. how would this relate to all of their different places? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 That's good. Um, well, um, let me ask uh, just kind of one one last question, and that would be: um, uh, you've talked some about how you've been shaped over the last few years um, uh, through your uh, dark time, and um, uh, and have been prepared uh, over the years for this work that you're doing at, at uh, Made to Flourish. Um, what are some of the qualities? Uh, first of all, maybe that you've developed in your own life to be able to do this work? And uh, what are some of the qualities that a pastor or ministry leader might need in order to be the kind of leader um, uh, that values the work of 
of their people in the church and and works for the flourishing of the world. So what what quali- what are some of the qualities of a leader that that does that well is kind of what I'm looking uh, asking yeah. about. So I would say number one far and away is humility. And I mean mm. real humility. Um yeah. And I, I think it was C.S. Lewis who said humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. If it isn't him, mm. you can look up who, who it was. But yeah, I, yeah, right, I right. everything to C.S. Lewis. But, <laughs> so yeah, <of> course. <laughs> but I think that's been instructive for me because I vacillated between a pride that thought too much of myself mm. and a pity that thought nothing of myself. And neither mm. of those are humility. Right. So not saying that I'm perfect at it, but as I experience leaders now, and as I watch leaders in the church or in other places, mm-hmm. you can pick up on whether they're humble or not pretty quick. And, yeah, yeah, and if right. they're not, I think they are doomed to not lead well in these areas. Yeah. So, right. Right. So there are probably other things, but that is for me far uh-huh. and away the most important. That's good. Um, well, uh, then let me just ask at the, uh, in closing, how can people connect with you or with Made to Flourish? Uh, where would you direct people to go if they want to find yeah, out Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, so Made to Flourish, you can just go to madetoflourish.org. And there is a way on there. Uh, it doesn't cost anything for membership or anything. But if you're a pastor, great resources mm-hmm. to connect to. And even if you're not a pastor, um, there are some good mm-hmm. resources that you can get to be thinking about this kind of all of life following Jesus. So yeah, just made to flourish.org is where you can find that. Very cool. Well, uh, Trevor, thank you for uh, being here today and thanks for the work that you're doing with uh, made to flourish. Uh, Thanks for sharing a little bit about your journey and uh, the way suffering has played into who you are now and uh, how God's using you now. And uh, yeah, thanks for being here. Thanks man. It was great to reconnect and, I love this podcast that you're doing. I'm looking forward to listening to more episodes myself. So thanks. You know, I was thinking about Trevor's final thought uh, where he talked about humility as as being a key or maybe the key to, to being the kind of pastor or leader who really helps people flourish in all of their lives. Uh, I can't remember who said it, but I remember reading somewhere that humility comes through humiliations. And I, I remember reading that uh, while I was going through my really difficult time at my last church, and I, I remember just thinking to myself, oh, yes, <laughs> yes, that is true. That is actually how humility comes. You know, we can pray for, you, for humility, but we, oh, man, we don't know what we're praying for. Um, I'll still sometimes pray for humility, but I'll say, Lord, give me humility, but but please, please hold back on the humiliations. If there's any other way for me to get humility. And, you know, really, um, when we talk about humiliation, suffering is a form of humiliation because it exposes our brokenness, right? How do we develop humility? It's by being broken. It's by being humiliated. It's by, it's by suffering, uh, right? And it leads to humility if we can embrace the suffering. And if we can embrace the suffering, that leads to flourishing, believe it or not, and the flourishing of those around us. It's so counterintuitive, and yet it's, it's, it's totally true. 
Well, as Trevor mentioned, if you want to find out more about uh, Made to Flourish, you can uh, find them at madetoflourish.org. I'll include a link to that in the show notes. And uh, and if you'd like to connect with me, uh, I'd love it if you'd send me an email, marcus at marcuswatson.com. And that's Marcus with a K. And then I'd also really appreciate it if you could leave a uh, review. If you've enjoyed this podcast, if you would leave a review on Apple Podcasts, that would be awesome. Just makes the show a little bit more findable. Well, thanks so much for being here, and I will see you next time here on Spiritual Life and Leadership. Mm-hmm.